Good evening. It's 9 p.m. on the West Coast, and you're tuned in to the ILEG Radio Show. Coming at you live from the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley, broadcasting around the world on radio.ileducationgroup.org and ionglobalpolitics.com. Here's your host for the next hour, Dr. Paul F.J. Aranyas. Good evening to you. Happy New Year to you. 2023. A new year. Hope you're gathering your New Year's resolutions. And already in progress on making a great 2023. Now, we have a lot to talk about. 2023, what does it hold? This is a New Year's show. Already, the Congress has passed the omnibus... Omnibus legislation, $1.7 trillion. And at first glance, Democrats are hailing it as a win, a victory for social programs. But if you look closer at it, why in the world is Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell also claiming it as a victory? He touted the year-end deal the spending package as a victory for Republicans. Perhaps the two sides are not that far apart. After all, the uniparty, the one party that Ralph Nader has talked about for so many decades, that we have talked about for so long. Why did he hail this spending package? Well, he said that the boost in defense spending was above the rate of inflation, and the increase in non-defense spending was at a lower rate than inflation, effectively resulting in a cut. So basically, with inflation, all the money that's going to... There was an increase in spending for the military budget, like we need that. All that money. What was it? 800 and some odd billion dollars approaching... A trillion dollars. It was 800-something billion dollars. And the non-defense spending, which also included veteran benefits, those were not put under the rubric of defense spending, came in around 700-something billion dollars. And so we have 40 million, approximately, a little under 40 million people living under the poverty line. In this country, we have 4.2 million youth at any given time that are homeless in America. And, you know, as I was looking closer into this, uh, into the numbers, it, it, it really strikes you at the, the phoniness of the, the PR surrounding these programs. Now, any increase any benefits that are going out are are important because they're helping people. But it's so underfunded and the priorities are so mismatched 
are so out of whack that it's 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 shocking when you actually look at the numbers and you look at what is actually happening. For instance, they they increase what is called Section 8, which is HUD, Housing and Urban Development, housing vouchers towards rent. And for, for low-income people under the poverty line, they get a reduction in Section 8 housing, housing that qualifies. There's a whole scheme that goes along with that. So they added vouchers. But the, as I said, there's 40 million, 40 million people in this country that are living below the poverty line. That's something like 7 million families. These housing vouchers, they're tied with the private market. So the, the rates go up, the, the, the rent goes up. It's not like they're government-owned housing. So people actually wait in line for years on the waiting list to get this kind of housing. From the Oklahoman, Section 8 vouchers, affordable housing in short supply in OKC with thousands waiting for help. December 18th, 2022. From the Greater Greater Washington News and Analysis, Housing and Urban Development did an audit of the District of Columbia Housing Authority, DCHA, the wait list, in some instances, extended to wait times from 28 years for a one-bedroom apartment to 39 years for a studio with 70,000 people in the queue. I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. Go to Greater Greater Washington and... The title of the, the article is Leadership Waitlist Vouchers Unpacking Key Finding in HUD's DCH Audit. 39 years to wait for a studio. Do you think that uh, you want to wait around for a studio for 39 years? 70,000 people in the queue just for the District of Columbia. Now, the HUD... Uh, one of the directors some a few years back, I believe it was uh, about five or six years back, said that it would take twenty billion dollars to eradicate homelessness in the in the U.S. And there was a fact check on that, and they got in contact with him, and he said, "Well, it wasn't an exact figure. He was just kind of putting it out informally, so it it, it would it would cost more than that." They said 30 billion. They talked about housing, other program, mental health, things like that. So, I mean, it's not exactly $20 billion, but in response to that, Mac on Twitter says the U.S. military just spent more on these stupid augmented reality headsets from Microsoft than it would cost to completely eradicate homelessness. Now, according to the fact check, it wouldn't completely eradicate it in the U.S., but it would put a huge dent in it. These statistics are, are baffling when you look at the, the sheer magnitude of the, the out-of-whack priorities in this country with an $800 billion military budget approaching a trillion dollars for the military and spending $100 billion 
giving it to Ukraine to fight a proxy war with for weapons and financial assistance and other financial assistance. $800 billion when you have 40 million Americans living under the poverty line. And the Washington Post says that the United States has the capacity to end childhood poverty, but it just doesn't want to. Because during the pandemic with the child tax credit, this country had childhood poverty. But then they let that tax credit expire. They said it was too expensive. But they got endless amount of money for the military, for war. Not even their own wars, but other people's wars. We have congressmen, we have government officials that are egregiously out of touch with what's happening in the low-income brackets and the poor of this country. And the question is, is this country, does it even care about the poor? Does it care about those that are, that are suffering? Or are they just throwing a, a bone, a biscuit, just enough to keep them in line, keep them voting, keep them thinking that they're going to actually solve a problem? It doesn't seem like they actually want to solve the problem of poverty. I mean, I mean, the Washington Post is saying that, hey, the United States can solve childhood poverty. It was halved during the pandemic during 2021 with the, the child tax credit. But Congress let that expire. They let it expire because they didn't want to pay for it, but they have a trillion dollar military budget. And $100 billion going to a proxy war. December 30th, 2022, the Seattle Times has an article entitled Housing, One of the Biggest Predictors of Getting Kicked Out of Washington Schools. It talks about a, a woman and her daughter, daughter trying to board a Seattle City bus to avoid the school bus outside of the homeless shelter that they moved in during the summer. Kids picking on her, calling her a little dirty shelter kid. That's a quote. And it, and it just goes on and details the, the ways that housing, quite naturally, it doesn't take a scholar to figure out that's going to affect school performance, that's going to affect behavior. And, and, and it doesn't seem like the government wants to do anything seriously about it. What do they say about Ukraine? As long as it takes. They're, they're committed to that proxy war. They're committed to trying to hurt Russia. While we have homeless students in this country sleeping in cars at night, sleeping in shelters, sleep, sleeping in abandoned buildings, something like, uh, what, what's the number? 40,000 in Washington State. It's 1,000 in Vermont, 40,000 in, in Washington. But it's, it's, it's in every state. It's, it's, across, it's, a, it's across the country. And it doesn't seem like this government, any government in this country, wants to solve the problem. They just want to perhaps make it a little better. Just enough for, for, to keep the voters in line. They have the money. They have the money. There's more than 300,000 Iowans didn't have enough to eat in a week. December 29th, 2022. Des Moines Register Online. 
From October, nearly 10% of New York City students were homeless last year, according to a report. That's one in 10 students were homeless in New York City last year. That's a total of 104,383 children lacked permanent housing last year across the district and charter schools, according to an annual report released by Advocates for Children New York. They said that that would make up like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, one of the biggest school districts in the country. If these 100,000 children made up their own school district, it would be a district larger than 99.5% of all other districts nationwide. Kim Sweet, executive director of Advocates for Children, said in a statement. What's going on here? What do you think? What do you, what do you, what do you think? Are they serious? Is this country actually, do, do they actually care about the poor? Or is this country just about rich people? And the poor must serve. They must clean the streets. They must mop the, ta mop the floors. Serve your food. And get out of the way. And if they fall through the cracks by the millions, then, you know, they're just forgotten. Forgotten. And every administration, the, the Democrats come along and say, well, we're going to reduce poverty by 20%. But here's a trillion dollars for the military. Here's a hundred billion dollars for the proxy war in Ukraine. You know, there's, an, there's another way of thinking that about this, because this has a spiritual dimension. Everything does have a spiritual dimension. We often think of the government as not fulfilling its duty to its people, as shirking its duty. But maybe it's even more than that. If you take it from a spiritual dimension, St. Basil of Caesarea said, The bread which you keep belongs to the hungry. That coat which you preserve in your wardrobe to the naked. Those shoes which are rotting in your possession to the shoeless. That gold which you have hidden in the ground to the needy. Wherefore, as often as you were able to help others and refuse, so often did you do them wrong. And St. John of Chrysostom says, The rich hold the goods of the poor, even if they have inherited them from their fathers, or no matter how they have gathered their wealth. Deprive not the poor of his living. To deprive is to take what belongs to another. The rich man is a kind of steward of the money which is owed for the distribution of the poor. For his goods are not his own, but belong to his fellow servants. I beg you to remember this without fail, that not to share our own wealth with the poor is theft from the poor and deprivation of their means of life. We do not possess our own wealth, but theirs. Well, well, well. 
what are the early church fathers saying? They're saying that it's not a shirking of duty, but it's theft. That the rich are actually stealing from the poor. Now, this isn't Lenin or Marx or Che Guevara or, or Castro or even Hugo Chavez. This is, these are the early church fathers of Christianity. These are saints. And they're telling you what the gospel message is. Because Jesus laid it out perfectly, clearly when he said, when, when they asked, when did we not? give you food or a drink. He said, whatever you did not do to the least of me, my, my people, you did not do unto me. Be gone, I do not know you. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. So it's a wonder that so many in our country in, in positions of power talk about Christian Judeo-Christian values and talk about Christianity, and yet year after year, decade after decade, we can have a situation where the priorities in favor of militarism, in favor of the rich, to the detriment of the poor, seem constant. Seem constant, and you have to ask yourself, are you wasting your time dealing with American politics? Now, any increase in benefits is important because it helps some people out. So it's not a complete waste of time. It's, it's not a waste. But you have to have a certain philosophy about it. You have to have uh, be grounded in other than something than the Democrats and Republican Party politics. It has to have a spiritual basis to, to make sense, to continue on advocating, because otherwise it, it seems uh, fruitless, because they keep doing the same thing over and over. I want you to let me know your thoughts at one 974 ileg That's 4534-1888-974-ILEG. So the homeless population, student population, is also increasing in many places, but here's an article of the student population, the homeless student population increasing in southern Utah from December 31st, 2022. Of the 33,074 students enrolled in the Washington County School District, or said 626 are considered homeless as of December 1st. That is up from 431 in September. Breaks down to 334 male students and 292 female students. It's sad because it continues. And there's so much PR when it comes to party politics. The fact is I looked on Twitter and saw Democrats raving that the Biden administration had halved childhood poverty. The reality is when I dug a little deeper, they're talking about the child tax credit that was temporary. And as soon as that expired, 4 million children expired in December 2021. And in January, 4 million children were 
thrown into poverty. Back into poverty. So how can uh, Democrats go around lauding how they have poverty as if that was permanent, as if that sustained itself? There may be other, some other social programs that helped employment. The issue is that the problem of poverty and homelessness hasn't gotten better. It's still there. And anybody who has a car and drives through any major American city, even um, mid-sized cities, even some small towns, you see the poverty. You see the tents. You see the homelessness. Now, when it comes to these, these housing vouchers, it's a strange system, if, if you ask me. The Center on Budget and Policy Priorities has an article from about a year and a half ago, has a study talking about families wait years for housing vouchers due to inadequate funding. And the study says due to limited program funding, families struggling to afford housing that manage to get off the waiting list for a housing choice voucher must typically wait for years before receiving a voucher. CBPP analysis of Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, data shows. Among the 50 largest housing agency, only two, says the study, only two have average wait times of under a year for families that have made it off the waiting list. The longest have average wait times of up to eight years. Up to eight years. On average, nationally, families that received vouchers had spent close to two and a half years on wait lists, first exposing many to homelessness, overcrowding, eviction, and other hardship while they wait. Now, the thing is, they're on the wait list, but there's hundreds of thousands of people without housing. 4.2 million children at a given time are, are homeless in this country. When they take a snapshot, they took it a couple years ago, it was about 500, half a million people homeless at that time. It was a snapshot. It was undercounted. But during the year, at any given time, there's like 4.2 million just youth that are homeless. And so these, this, this program with Section 8, they just added vouchers. But there's 7 million families that be fall below the, the poverty line. 40 million Americans. And so it's a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket. Right now, here's the Bethany Youth Choir with I Believe.
hope you have a great New Year's, a great 2023. Get all your New Year's resolutions in gear and, and start working on those. So until next time, as always, keep the faith. You're listening to the ILEG Radio Show with Dr. Paul F.J. Aranyas, broadcasting live on radio.ileducationgroup.org and ionglobalpolitics.com.